It is wild to me that this is people's career trajectory. They want to be a full-time influencer. And I think there's a lot of really valuable ways people can do that. I felt like for me, and this was one of the, the core values when I even created my Instagram was every post needed to add value in some capacity. And so I literally would, you know, write out a post, have a photo, whatever. And I would gut check myself, like, what value is this adding? And I think, you know, in times I've swayed away from that a little bit, in times I've come back to it, but I ultimately realized like there's so much noise in this industry in this space and I didn't want to be a part of the noise but want to be a part of this like this gold part of the conversation part of kind of a, a momentum shift that's going on I think in social media and to the work you're doing in social consciousness this is Erin Bailey welcome to woke and wired a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship My name is Xenia, and I am your host of the Vulcan Wired podcast. I'm recording this from Nashville, Tennessee. It is month four of our nomadic journey, almost. And later this week, we're heading to Arizona to meet up with Dr. Weil once again, because I'm getting such great feedback on that podcast episode, but also because I just want to hang out with him and his team again. And the way that he makes matcha, there's just nothing like it. So I'm going to ask him to make me another bowl. And the main reason why we're heading back to Arizona is because of the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. It is the world's biggest mineral show, and I have never been. Eric has gone before, and it was a very transformational experience for him. And just the idea of being surrounded by people who love what they do so much and who are so committed to healing and connecting with others and with earth. In their recent encounter with a psychic, I was told that it's very important for me to develop hobbies and interests outside of my direct work. So I'm working on that. I don't exactly know what that's going to be, but I feel like that trip will allow me to establish some connections and have experiences beyond work work. And in excitement about trip to Tucson, I have revived the Crystal Criminals account. If you've been listening for a while, you may know that Eric, my fiance, and I have a project called Crystal Criminals, where we share crystal grids with intuitive messages that come through when we meditate with them. We started it a little while ago, and it went really successful brand partnerships, workshops, an online course. Very quickly, it grew faster than any other project I've ever started, all through Instagram only. And to be honest with you, our attention was taken away from our love and passion for art and sharing healing to the ideas of scaling it. And it doesn't feel right at the time. So we took a break. We were also in the middle of buying our first tiny home, moving, going nomadic. So that took a break. And now I'm reviving the account. We are bringing our energies back to it. I don't know what's next, but I am open to divine guidance and exploration of what is meant to come through. So if you're into crystals and want to learn more about sacred geometry and developing your intuition through that, go to Crystal Criminals on Instagram. Also, it is week two of the Conscious Social Media Program and We have almost 30 people this time. 
And it's such an expansive space to be in and to be exploring anything that's in our way. And I I say we because it's not just the participants, but really me who are always going through this process because everyone and everything is a mirror. And it's this process of unveiling whatever is in our way of showing up fully and using social media as a medium, as a tool to share our message, to create impact, to create the lifestyle that we truly want for ourselves. And this time around, I've included one-on-one coaching for the participants, and it's just absolutely next level. People's visions for themselves, for their companies, for what they want to bring into the world. And I'm just so humbled and grateful to be there on that journey with such incredible humans. So the enrollment is now closed. You can't join the program as of January 2020 anymore, but stay tuned if you want to be part of upcoming journeys and experiences that have to do with conscious social media and intuitive business, go to wokenwire.com slash social dash media. From my experience, social media can be a manifestation tool and a way to expand our ideas of what's possible to connect with a community of people that are on the same path as you and to feel more alive on a daily basis. And it's all up to us. It's up to us what energy we bring into social media and how we show up and how we connect, how we give back and how we receive. So what are you going to choose? My guest today is my friend Aaron Bailey. We met in a mastermind with Amy Jo Martin, who has been a guest on this podcast. And one of the topics we discuss is exactly that. It's social media, and in Erin's case, something that she wrote, a post called, What Do We Deserve?, a piece about street harassment in movement situations, it went viral overnight. It was reposted in Time, Huffington Post, Self, and other top publications. And she used that momentum to dive into the fitness industry, and she shares all about it in this conversation. Here's the thing, so many of us, when we think about our online presence in social media, there's this romantic idea of going viral and how it can change your life overnight. And Erin shares her real story of what happens when you actually go viral. And yes, while having a lot of eyes on your work can give you a platform to have a bigger reach and connect with the right people, I love how she brings it back to connecting to what's important and establishing human connection beyond our screens and daily going out of your comfort zone to say hi to strangers and to connect in a way that's meaningful. And that goes not only for you as a creative, as a business owner, as a healer, as an influencer, as an entrepreneur who is building your online presence, But that also goes to those of you who might be doing this for brands, because Erin is the director of community at Beam, a Boston-based CBD brand that I am a huge fan of, and she shares how she approaches conscious influencer marketing and how important it is to bring more meaning to how brands work with influencers. And if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of followers and you're wondering how 
all of that might apply to you. Trust me, it does. We go into micro-influencers, which is anyone from 2,000 to 10,000 followers, and how those people, those accounts, actually have shown to be more effective and working with for brands than bigger accounts. So if you're in that category, know that this will be a super empowering conversation to hear. Before we jump into this refreshing conversation with Aaron, I first of all want to send a big thank you and a virtual hug to those of you who have been sending me messages after listening to podcasts with Anna Brown and with Dr. Weil. I am so happy to hear they're resonating with you. I read every Instagram DM. I read every review. So thanks to all of you who have taken a moment to share your takeaways and to share your ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you have takeaways and things you want to share from this interview, please put it on Instagram stories and tag at Wired so that Erin and I can see it. What I'm also super stoked to share with you, because this has been part of my daily routine for a long time now, is Beam CBD. So Erin works for Beam, and this is one of the ways we connected. And I have been using CBD consistently for a couple of years now, and I found it to be extremely helpful for managing stress, anxiety, especially for someone who's always on the go and managing so many projects. CBD has been absolutely instrumental. And, you know, with CBD, it can get tricky because it's not a cheap product. And you might be wondering, how do you choose the right one? And the reason that I trust Beam, besides the fact that Aaron, someone who I personally trust, works for the brand, is a list of criteria that I look for when I choose CBD. So number one, it's organic. Number two, it is THC free. So if your job requires drug testing, you can be sure that there will be no THC in your body. All ingredients are clean and free of binders and dyes. You'll find that a lot of CBD oils and a lot of supplements that claim to be healthy and clean actually have weird binders that you can't even read or know what they truly are. It is third-party tested for quality and purity It is full spectrum, which means that the oil contains all the cannabinoids and other compounds that are found in the hemp plant in nature, which creates more effective and whole final product, both from a scientific and really a metaphysical perspective. It's kind of like when you think about cacao, ceremonial cacao is fully in integrity and whole product that has not been separated from how it's made in nature. And if you were to separate cacao butter from cacao powder and then put them back together, it just wouldn't be the same product. So it's the same with CBD and Beam hits all the boxes and not only on paper, but also I've been using it and it's been amazing. And my very favorite products are their blends. They're powders that contain nano CBD which is much more bioavailable, goes straight into your bloodstream. And so there's two powders that they have. One I love taking in the morning, in my morning coffee. It's with nano CBD, ashwagandha, rhodiola, lion's mane. And it is absolutely shocking how effective it is. It makes me feel so focused and so clear. And 
that feeling lasts for hours. So if you were wondering, you know, are adaptogens actually effective? Do they work? You're not sure where to begin, how to combine them. I highly recommend trying out the Clarity Blend and you will thank me later because it will make a big difference in how you feel in the mornings. I just usually blend it with my coffee, with some oat milk, a little bit of raw honey or coconut sugar, whatever sweetener you prefer, and it tastes delicious. Ashwagandha can be overpowering, so just be careful with the proportions and make sure you use exactly the amount indicated on the container and make sure that you use creamy things like oat milk or coconut butter, whatever you usually use in your lattes. And you'll find that without the flavor of your morning beverage being impacted, you will get insane benefits. So you can get that on beamtlc.com and use code breakfastcriminals to get 15% off. There's a hookup for my community that I'm stoked to share. It's one of my favorite parts of doing what I do is that I have these relationships with brands and they generously provide discounts. So that's beamtlc, B-E-A-M-T-L-C dot com and use code breakfastcriminals to get 15% off everything. That includes the CBD oils, the powders, the balm, everything they have on the site. And if you're looking to upgrade your evening routine, I am also absolutely deeply in love and obsessed with And listen, I don't talk about products like this often. I'm truly obsessed with these two. The Beam Dream Blend, it has cacao, nano-CBD powder, melatonin, magnesium, L-theanine, and reishi. So this combination helps you have restful sleep. It helps your nervous system calm down. And it tastes freaking delicious. If clarity, I would not drink with water. I don't think that's the best way to have its flavor be enjoyable because of the ashwagandha that can be a little bitter or a lot bitter. With Dream, you can mix that with hot water and it will taste like a complete elixir. It tastes so good. If you want to add a drop of coconut milk or oat milk, it will taste even better just for the creamy factor. But I love bringing those. They have these single-use pouches that you can travel with and it tastes absolutely amazing on the plane. When I'm traveling, probably will be doing a whole other YouTube video or IGTV or podcast episode about my travel hacks. But I wear my blue light glasses, I bring my sleep mask that blocks all the light, and I have some of the Beam Dream with hot water, which you can always get on the plane, and I go to sleep if I'm taking a red-eye flight. It makes a big difference. It tastes so delicious, and I don't feel like I need any more desserts at night when I have it. So there you go. Use code BREAKFASTCRIMINALS to get 15% off on Beam and enjoy this conversation with Erin and remember to share your takeaways with me. And if you do get Beam and you try it out, I'd really love to hear your honest feedback. And if product recommendations is something you want to hear more of on this podcast or maybe less of, let me know. All right, Erin Bailey, where are you today? I am up in Boston, and I'm in my cozy, tiny, itty-bitty studio, working from home. Working from home. The beauty of being an entrepreneur in today's age. It's the best. It's the best. 
or really doing business, not just limited to entrepreneur. This is actually one of the topics I definitely want to explore with you because we met about a year ago through Amy Jo Martin at a boot camp, a business boot camp where we're both taking. And the thing that we connected on was that we both were in the world of digital marketing, the influencer space. And I just really loved your approach to how you show up with such authenticity and had have such a real connection with your community. That was the sense I got when I looked at your account. And at the time, you were both an influencer, a fitness model, as well as managing influencer partnerships for a big brand. And in the past year, you've been transitioning and switching things up and trying new things. And that pivot and those choices you've been making is something I'd love to hear more about. So tell me where you're at today and sort of how did we get there? And at some point, I would also love to get into the post that you wrote that went viral and what impact that had on your life, on your career, on your relationship with social media. So with all the things I just kind of threw at you, just feel into what feels aligned to begin with. Yeah, awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Similarly, I felt very drawn to you and you are, you're such a wealth of knowledge and you have such like a poise and control in your presence that it was so wonderful to, to get to connect with you and learn from you in person. And I cannot believe it's been a year already. Okay, where to begin there? So I guess... A year ago, and one of the reasons I entered Amy Jo's boot camp and mastermind was I was feeling like I was ready for something else, and I wasn't entirely sure what that something else was. And I thought if I invested back into myself and put myself around inspiring women that were doing all sorts of things, then maybe I could kind of feel recentered, maybe get inspired to do something else and kind of figure out what that next transition would be. At the time, I was, as you mentioned, in the fitness industry and had built a career and was working for one of the top 10 fitness brands and was a head coach and traveling around the world and doing a lot of really flashy, cool on paper things and feeling really frustrated and ultimately just really felt disconnected from the people I was actually trying to help. Right. And so a piece of that pivot was how do I get back in touch with like the actual people? And and I think the bigger reason I wanted to help was it wasn't necessarily just about you know the 20, 30, 45 minutes that you're moving your body, but what what are the things we're doing for the other you know, 23 hours in the day that are helping us recover and refocus? And how can I be a part of that conversation and, and challenge people in that, in that regard? So kind of over the past year, been to your point, kind of testing some things and ended up in an opportunity that felt aligned for a few reasons. And first of all, it was in the CBD industry, which is, which is growing and the wild, wild west for lots of reasons. And two of my friends had started this company for really incredible benefits and incredible reasons. And it was really aligned with what I wanted to do. And I essentially pitched the role to them and pitched kind of what I wanted to, what I wanted to build. And that was essentially the community. And I think the way brands interact with their community is so important. And I think next evolution of where marketing is going and how, how brands are, are getting to connect there. And so I wanted to be able to help them build it. Right. They had done a lot of, you know, they'd done some influencer marketing and, and, so I essentially pitched this role to them to be able to come in and help them build an actual community. And a lot of that's influencer marketing, a lot of that's in-person marketing, but it's given me a chance to kind of be back in the roots with the people and, and getting to connect with them a little bit better. So that's kind of where, in a robust way, kind of where I'm at right now. All right. So the thing that I find fascinating is that so many people in today's world of digital opportunity think that being an influencer and having an engaged, 
and influential presence on social media is the end all be all and what everyone should strive for. And in your case, you had the opportunity to be a full-time influencer yourself because that was one of the things you were doing. And instead you chose to work for a company. Can you walk me through your thinking on that? Yeah, it is wild to me that this is people's career trajectory. They want to be a full-time influencer. And I think there's a lot of really valuable ways people can do that. I felt like for me, and this was one of the the core values when I even created my Instagram was every post needed to add value in some capacity. And so I literally would, you know, write out a post, have a photo, whatever. And I would gut check myself, like, what value is this adding? And I think, you know, in times I've swayed away from that a little bit in times I've come back to it, but I ultimately realized like there's so much noise in this industry, in this space. And I didn't want to be a part of the noise, but want to be a part of this, like this gold part of the conversation, part of kind of a, a momentum shift that's going on, I think in social media and to the work you're doing in social consciousness, that to me, it didn't feel aligned to get paid to support products that I are getting pitched constantly and instead wanted to be able to, until I figured out what that role, what my role platform and voice and value add is going to be. And that's, we might get into this, but that's a piece of the shift I've made out of the fitness industry is shifting my platform and what value I'm adding there. I wanted to be able to work for a company that could support people that are already doing that, right? So the beauty of, you know, what we like to do at Beam is our tagline is for better everything. And we think CBD can help relieve anxiety, relieve stress and relieve some of those you know, barriers people have in their lives to go do and the things, you know, that they're meant to be doing. So one of the ways that we like to approach influencer marketing, which, which really resonated with me is, you know, we're asking people like, what are you already doing? And how can we help you do that better or bigger or more or in a different way? So as a brand, we want to come in and be a partner to you and a partner to our community to help them amplify their bigger message. And for me, that felt like a better value add than necessarily like trying to put that focus and energy back into my brand. I think until, again, I'm not saying that's a forever. I think until I really figure out like where that specific voice and value add for me and the community I want to be building is. You mentioned a momentum shift in the world of social media. What do you mean by that? And where have you seen social media go and where do you see it going? Mm. I think it's a momentum shift. I guess in part of my pivot, I've been really cognizant of right who I'm following and who I'm interacting with in the community that I'm trying to build. And a lot of that goes from unfollowing a lot of people that don't align with that, right? So the momentum shift, I think, is partly personal for me of surrounding myself with people that are, again, adding value back into that community and value of creating deeper connections and deeper thought-provoking conversations and using this platform as a real way to have those types of conversations that aren't just about product placement and aren't just these pages that are essentially getting bought. So I think that's the cooler shift is people are using this as an opportunity to really get to have, okay, I'm going to give an example. This might be a better way to to communicate this. So I just finished Melinda Gates book and it's all about how she's been using her foundation to essentially like uplift women. And that's what as a society we need to do for the whole society, right, to raise. And she gives lots of different examples through her work and foundation work all over the world. And she ends with really women in the workplace kind of predominantly in in like the US. And she gives the stat that only 60% of or men would apply to a position if they felt like they had 60% of the qualifications. Women would only apply to the position if they had 100% of the qualifications, right? So this stat I've I've heard before, but it, it feels shocking to me on lots of levels, partly because that stat doesn't resonate with me. So I shared it with my community and wanted people's reactions. And I got reactions all across the board. And for me and my audience, it very much wasn't about men versus women, but really like the confidence people have in themselves and how have they built that confidence 
to ask for what they want, even if they feel like they're falling short. And the falling short people saw as a growth opportunity rather than an inhibitor. So I felt like for me, that's a beautiful piece of the conversation we can have on platforms like Instagram, right? Where we're not talking about some of these things that are, you know, semi-meaningless, but some of these things that are actual, you know, real points of real points of meaning. Mm, I'm so with you. And in terms of cleaning up your feed, I'm such a proponent of, like you said, instead of seeing social media as this place that just is, becoming a conscious curator of what's in your feed, what do you allow in your subconscious, and what do you allow yourself to be inspired by and stretched by and think is possible for you? So how do you go about curating your feed? And I know for a lot of people, it becomes a very personal question because we start thinking, well, what if I unfollow this person and they notice? Are we going to be awkward if we run into each other? There's like a whole array of politics and social dynamics around that. So how do you navigate that? I understand why people could get upset and could have some of those adverse reactions to, to you know, an unfollow and unfriend. I've had a few negative encounters and, and tough encounters and relationships with things like that. I think the issue with that is people are putting so much of their personal value into these pages. And that's, you know, a whole other issue of putting personal value in terms of like numbers and follower numbers and things like that when that's not, you know, I understand wanting to grow a larger following to have more people to read your message. But I think, you know, that should happen so organically, that shouldn't be a part of the personal value and what you, you know, what you feel like you have to offer. So for me, when I'm going through, it's a little bit difficult too, because as a large part of my job is also still running influencer marketing. That also means I need to be following our influencers, right? I need to be following our community and being a part of that community and engaging with them and understanding what they're doing. So a part of my followers, I have to realize like that's that's my job. And then a part of it is like who, which the good part is our community is incredible and those people do inspire me and uplift me. And so I feel very grateful to work with so many of those incredible people. And then I think the other side is I need people that stretch me and are saying things and doing things that aren't necessarily a part of my everyday. So I love, I love following, like one of my favorite accounts is Rich Roll. And I think he's so, he's so incredible for lots of ways because he can mirror and I guess marriage the, the idea of this, you know, movement being such like a heart and soul to who we are and what makes us alive. And also this idea of like, we're spiritually connected human beings. And so I think people like that, that can challenge me in in multiple capacities is who I love kind of being able to follow and be, and be inspired by. So a lot of it is, you know, just kind of trimming out people that make you feel drained, right? That are, I'm someone who doesn't typically feel, I think, triggered or compared by a lot of people. But the second I find myself feeling that way and feeling, you know, even like moments of jealousy or moments of, you know, less than that's when like an unfollow comes from. And, you know, I think a lot of people now are are doing those types of things and making those big claims of like, it's not like, it's just not personal anymore. And I think the more we can shift into that, not feeling personally, and just understanding what's best for them and their conscious at that time is that's what's the big shift is happening. I totally agree with you. And to anyone listening, if you find yourself noticing that someone unfollowed you and being personally hurt by it, remember that it's not personal and it has more to do with the person who did it than with you. And I think if we think about it that way and allow each other the space to make those decisions without any implications to our offline relationships, it would just be easier for everyone. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I also encourage people the same thing. I, I, 
at the end of December, I did a little Instagram hiatus, which I've never done in my life, which I feel embarrassed to even share that. And when I came back, I came back with a name change. And when I made that name change, I made a claim. And that was an honest claim of like, I want to be talking about different things. And if you're not here for it, that's totally fine. Like I'm giving you, not that you needed permission, but in case you needed permission, like go follow somebody else that does inspire you in the movement capacity that I may not be talking about anymore. And I think that's what people need to be understanding of like, these are you know, these are just platforms. These aren't our whole identities. So an unfollow is not a rejection of you as a human. It is simply, I don't need to consume whatever content you're choosing to put out on this platform. And also, you know, you mentioned Ritual. I love his podcast and I don't, I just realized I don't follow him on Instagram. So we all have different ways of connecting with different expressions and sides of people. And that's fine too. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And the quote that you shared before you took your Instagram break uh, was by another person I'm personally very inspired by, and it's Seth Godin. And it says, when there's a single metric, likes or followers, that we end up looking, we end up looking in the rear view mirror when we should be driving instead. Right? So good. It's amazing. And so I also, I, I just love Seth Godin, read many of his books and I think he's incredible. And that quote, it was like the aha moment I needed to just delete it. And it was like that moment of courage. It was like that moment of courage that I needed. And then I went back and looked at the email and he sent it on 518, which is my birthday. And so it literally was like this message to me. I was like, this is exactly what I needed in that moment. That was my universe message to say, Aaron, you need to walk away because these are the things that you're paying attention to that are now becoming important to you that I know don't align with how you actually feel and how you actually feel about this platform. So it was a really good aha moment to choose to walk away because I think a lot of us that are, I think a lot of us in general, but especially that are content creators and put value into metrics because we know brands are looking at metrics and we need to report back in some capacity. You know, I was sharing a post and immediately just like refreshing and paying attention opposed to like, right, putting that voice out there and putting that content out there and moving on to the next thing that might be of value. And so that's one of the things I'm still very much working on. but. I think we often get caught up in rather than just putting our work out there and saying, let it live and breathe as it needs to, we get caught up on people's reactions and, and we need that. Maybe I should be talking from my own perspective. I'm looking for that validation, right? And when people don't validate it, then it's something that's becoming internalized. And I think as I'm trying to write more and create more of an identity as a writer, that's something I'm, as a conscious practice, I need to do is let my voice, as soon as I'm releasing it to the world, like let my voice have its own life, right? And move on to the next thing because otherwise I'm in this bad cycle and and I'm also not writing and creating and 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 doing what I actually want to be want to be doing. Hmm. What you're saying is so universal and I completely relate to it as well. And I have Seth Godin's words in my head and he talks about how when an artist creates a piece of work, he creates it and he takes in the process of creating it and then he puts it out into the world and that's it. He doesn't walk around fishing for compliments or feedback. It's done. It's created. And I think it's the same with social media and with social media because just the way that those apps are built, it's so much easier to go into the cycle of updating and checking the stats and the likes. It's different, but it's just this conscious practice of continuously asking ourselves, okay, what am I doing? Is this empowering me? Is this a good use of my energy and time? Right. That reminded me, have you read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic? I love it. Okay, I love it. And I think the one the one thing I also try to hold on to from it is this idea of 
like creativity and stories like have their own soul, right? And they're just like, they found you and they found you as a body to like bring that idea to life and give that like idea a soul, right? And that's that's what I think of as like the process of this content creation of writing. And like, it's my duty. This idea has come to me and chosen me and I need to give that idea life. If I'm constantly looking in the rearview mirror and trying to see what happened to that life that I gave it and was that good enough or you know, receptive enough, then the next idea isn't coming to me because I'm still putting energy on this old idea. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to really take time and space and create that space to be able to let the next idea come because I know and I feel confident in myself and my ability to be able to give that true life. And I need to, I need to lean into that confidence in that space a little bit more. Speaking of leaning into trust, you mentioned 518 being one of the ways that you communicate with the universe. What are some other ways that you connect to that deep inner knowing? Mm, Really great question. I think I'm going to look back and wish I had a more profound answer for this. But I think the first thing that comes to mind, and I actually, again, I don't want to be talking about rent like movement all the time, but movement is a huge part of a part of who I am. Why do you not want to be talking about it? I think it, it <laughs> right, a part of that shift. Because fitness is no longer in your Instagram name? Right. It's no longer an Instagram name. And I think <laughs> it became so much a part of my identity that I'm now on the same pendulum swing of like, I want to build all the other pieces of my identity because this one feels strong, right? People know me in this area. I need to figure out how I can, you know, grow these other these other capacities. However, that's not fair as it is such a such a core part of my soul. But for me, like I think running is a huge piece of how I can come back and connect back to the universe, connect back to my soul. And a lot of that isn't necessarily just the physical movement of running. But when I'm running, number one, I'm outside and living in a city, you're not outside very often, especially in the winter, it's very cold. So it gives me an excuse to be outside. It gives me an excuse to be away from people, away from distractions, away from my phone, away from these things. And so often when I'm running, I'm running on the water, I'm running in really beautiful areas. And it gives me an opportunity to be away from this noise and connect back to who I am. And it's when these moments of clarity come and I can be with nature kind of being the biggest piece of it, come in space, be in nature and have these moments to myself, which is where I feel the most alive, right? Doing something that your bodies are meant to do, something that brings me joy, something that makes me feel the most me and then give me the clarity to like walk into whatever that next, that next component could be. How do you prevent wanting to stop right in the middle of a run and write the message or write down the idea or thought, you know? I have cut runs short to literally run home and be like, like, right what the idea hits. And sometimes you have to like get it out. I have done that. Otherwise I sometimes will literally just like repeat the thing in my head. And it's like, and maybe that kind of becomes like a mantra, like a, like a, like a moving meditation. If it's like, I don't want to lose an idea, I'll repeat it. Occasionally I do run with my phone and voice notes are, are magic for that. But It usually, I feel like I hold on to my ideas pretty tight, so they don't run away from me too easily. (laughs) All right. So since movement is showing up in this conversation with a soul of its own, like you said, at what point do you remember the first time you discovered movement in your life? Oh, I don't necessarily remember the first time. My family's always been very active. So as a young kid, mom and dad were putting us in tons of summer camps. So we were in soccer camp and tennis camp and all different things like that. So growing up, movement was just kind of a part of what we did. And for me, it was always something that was very social. I'm athletic enough that I was like performing well and, you know, always doing well, but it wasn't 
no one was ever looking at Erin growing up being like, wow, she's going to be in Wimbledon one day, you know? And as much as I like wanted that to be a part of it, it was a way for me to like connect with my friends and spend time with them after school. And, you know, I enjoyed excelling at something. And so it was always a part of me, but it was never a huge passion of mine, which is also why I think I sometimes have this like imposter syndrome being in the fitness world because I never studied exercise science, you know, never, I never wanted to coach. I never wanted to do any of those things. It was kind of an, a little bit of a right place, right time, a little bit of things falling together and me, you know, pursuing opportunities that came to me, but it wasn't ever, if you had asked anyone I grew up with and they said, Aaron was a fitness professional, like people would be dropping their jaws. Like it just wasn't a part of a part of who I am or what I was growing up. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest thing for me, and I think I fell into group fitness pretty quickly and it wasn't necessarily about fitness and I understand how the body moves and how to challenge people, but it was more about how do I get people excited to come to class and how do I get people excited to move their bodies and find movement that feels good for them. And then once they're here, they're going to enjoy themselves. And, and then hopefully, and this was the piece that felt really important to me was connect with somebody else in class. And so I never got into personal training. That wasn't important to me, but it was very much about the people, number one, moving their bodies, because I think that's important. And number two, making sure they're connecting with the other people in the room, because the biggest thing that I think is the power of group fitness that not everyone takes full advantage of is everyone that walks into that room, walked into that room for some type of similar reason, right? They want to better themselves. They want to move their bodies a little bit, but they're all going to go through this, you know, 30, 40, 60 minute class in these vulnerable states together. Why not turn to the person beside you and say, wow, that last set sucked. Right. And then maybe start a dialogue from that. Right. Like there's, there's so much commonality in what we do. And I think we get so focused on ourselves and the perception of what other people will think of us that we don't choose to lean into that common moment. And so group fitness, and I think that's one of the reasons I excelled as a group fitness instructor was because I was excited to get people in there and excited to get them to move and excited to get them to like build a community around that and really challenge them to, to step into that. Your Instagram bio says, let's hi- let's say hi to more strangers. <laughs> it sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly it, which people hate, which is hysterical to me. They're so uncomfortable to say hello to a stranger. It's wild. Can you give me some examples of how everyone listening can go out of their comfort zone besides fitness class and say hi to more strangers? And why would we even do that? Well, so I'm originally from North Carolina, and I think it's a little bit of the Southern culture and a a lot of what I was just raised in. My dad is such a community builder, and he's both my parents have worked in nonprofit their entire lives. And so my dad just knows the community. So my dad sees everybody around him as like your neighbors, right? And not your literal neighbor, but just from the, you know, community component of like, we're all living in this, you know, universe together. So growing up, my dad would just greet everybody. And honestly, a lot of them he knew, but a lot of them he didn't know. And it didn't strike me as anything different until I like left, went to school, lived in Boston, came back. We were on a family vacation in Wilmington and dad and I were like walking to the grocery store and he was like saying hi to people we were walking by. And I was like, do you know them? And he was like, no. And I, then I, it all kind of came together of like, this is something my dad's been doing his entire life. And this is something I've like subconsciously picked up and didn't even realize it was different. I moved to Boston and people in the North are not always as friendly as what I was used to. And so um, it's just something I've now consciously picked up. Um, But I I walk to work and it's about a 35 minute walk from myself to work. And sometimes listen to a podcast. Sometimes I'm again, trying to create that space in my day and I will make a conscious effort to make eye contact and say, good morning 
to at least half of the people I'm walking by. Sometimes they're in their own conversations or not making eye contact with me, but it is so unbelievable how the majority of people that I do make eye contact and say good morning to are surprised. Like it's not a natural reaction for people to make eye contact back with me. And it's not a natural reaction for them to say good morning back. So often they're not saying good morning until I've kind of already passed them because they're so caught off guard. So that's what I like to do is make people one, a little bit uncomfortable. And two, maybe if I'm, you know, a stranger saying good morning and smiling at them, maybe they'll hopefully say it back and maybe say it to somebody else. Right. And that kind of sparks that, you know, just a little bit of kindness and, and community to start off their day. So I think that's an easy way to start. I think if strangers feel really uncomfortable to people, what about the people right at your coffee shop? And sometimes that's an easier lift, right? They're already, you already have to have an interaction with them. Why not start it with a, hi, good morning, how are you? And make it a genuine, how are you? Not a, how are you? Pause, here's my order, right? So maybe that's a good, that's a good place for people to start. I love that so much. And, you know, when I think about the small moments in my life that give it meaning, it's exactly those moments of connecting with strangers. It's those moments when I'm walking down the street and someone actually looks at me and smiles and it's genuine. It makes such a big difference. Yeah. That's what I I started writing. I went into Amy Jo's boot camp with the hope of writing a book or understanding the book writing process. And a big piece of what I learned is I just needed to write more, right? Which is a silly understanding, but I needed to write more. And so I just started writing down these little moments. And some of them have turned into larger chapters. But the thing I realized is all of these little moments are just about these like really simple acts of human connection and human kindness. And I realized how big of an impact they had on me and whether the other person, you know, having that connection with me even remembers it or not, it doesn't even matter, but it has sparked so much like, you know, joy in my life that that's what I want people to understand and bring some awareness into that, right? Awareness into those stranger conversations and interactions that they're having and how they can do more of it and how that makes them feel. Because I think if they, I think if more people took the moment to think about how it makes them feel when they have that genuine moment of human connection, then I think people would often seek more of them. And that's what I think we need a little bit more of. I think the reason, at least for me, it's so powerful is because being there with another person requires us to not be so damn focused on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we are so overstimulated and busy. And our culture tells us we should be even more busy that our own life and our to-do lists become the center of our life. And it takes some mental space creation and heart space creation to go out of that loop and truly be there with another person. And that's something I keep inviting myself to practice. You know, when I feel shy or awkward in a conversation, what I guide myself to do is leave my brain and actually be there outside of my body in the energy that's between me and the person. And that completely shifts the experience. Oh, I love that. I love that. I do think, I do think you make a really good point of we we become so focused on ourselves. And to your point, when we're having those moments of anxiety, or, you know, we end up focusing on that rather than the moment of human connection we could be having. My dad told me this quote, which I know is a very famous quote, but I'm, I correlate it very much with my dad. And it's that idea of like, we like seek first to understand then to be understood, right? And that idea of Let's listen and understand somebody else and where they come from rather than thinking of how they're going to best understand what we're thinking or, or, you know, while someone else is talking, how are we thinking about what we say next when we're not really being present and listening and and sharing in that connection? I love that. Yeah. So 
Another thing that you have in your bio is hashtag flex your ask muscle. What does that mean? So this is some, I've been, this has come to me in a few different ways, but I think ultimately the majority of things that have happened in my life have happened because I asked for them, which sounds very simple, right? But it, I don't think in general, we ask for as many things as we want and we wait for someone to ask us and validate us to do the thing, whether that's a promotion, whether that's a job, um, you know, we're, we're waiting for someone to give us permission to live our lives. And I think there's so much we could do in on our own and ask for to get where we really want to go. And I ended up actually, I've said it a few times and talked about it in, in some other ways, but I ended up putting that in my bio after the the Instagram interaction I'd, I'd mentioned earlier about the applying for a job 60% versus 100%. And I think that was the biggest takeaway I had is there's so many people that are just afraid to ask. And that's in a career situation, but in so many different ways that that they're not living their biggest potential because they're too afraid to even go for it. That's so important. It's yeah, it's so simple, but you're right. It's so important for me spending time and having lots of conversations with my fiance, Eric, who is in sales and very confident in it has just taught me so just his demeanor and the way that he is and asking for what he wants has completely shifted the way that I approach everything from seeing what's possible for my business to negotiation, any money conversations. And there's, I think to men or to anyone with more masculine energy, that sort of comes more naturally. And for women, that's something or someone with more feminine energy, that's something there's lots of space to expand into for sure. Yeah. I'm curious because you brought up masculine versus feminine energy, and I appreciate you saying energy opposed to necessarily the genders. But do you see that the ask or the lack of ask being a masculine and feminine thing? I don't know if it's necessarily the ask, but it's the confidence in thinking that you deserve it or sort of boldness in just having the guts to show up and ask for what you want. I find that you know, just like you, the stats that you brought up from Melinda Gates's book, I think men generally in career related situations tend to have more confidence in themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Based on the reactions I got, it actually was very split and had a lot of men saying that they didn't have the confidence and a lot of women saying they did. And so again, it's a, it's a small pool that I'm coming from and I'm trying to collect some thoughts on it and, and share a little bit more in depth than just the Instagram stories I had done. And so I'm very curious to see if it ends up as I'm kind of sifting through this, if it ends up becoming a masculine or feminine thing, or to your point, you know, I think it ends up being a confidence thing. And sometimes we correlate that more with masculine and feminine feminine energies. So let me know what you find out. Fascinating. I will. <laughs> I will. So the first thing that your non Instagram bio says, Erin, is that you're a writer. And I know that you've written a blog post that went viral and was reposted by so many major publications. What was it about? How did it happen? And what impact did it have on the trajectory of your career and life? Yeah. So the blog post was called What Do We Deserve? I wrote it about three years ago now, I think. And I wrote it 
about street harassment, which is like non-physical harassment. So catcalling, things like that, street harassment that had happened to me in movement specific situations. So I wrote it because at that time, this was like July, August, a few years ago, there were three women, you know, mid twenties, brown hair, very similar to me that were murdered while on runs in the middle of the day. And it was these freak situations. They weren't tied to each other. And it was, it was quite alarming for lots of reasons. And at that time I was in a big running phase training for a half marathon. And when I was talking to friends and family back home, a lot of them were telling me like all these precautions. Oh, don't run at night. Oh, don't run by yourself. Oh, don't do all of these things. And I just kept hearing all these things I shouldn't be doing because of these isolated incidents. And it was this like rage inside of me of, you know, if we lived our lives in fear and if we lived our lives based on what we thought might happen and these terrible instances that might happen, like we just wouldn't be living. And why it pulled into the conversation of why am I as a female getting these specific kind of parameters put on me and it felt like a female issue. And so anyways, in a rage one afternoon, I ended up writing this blog post and it shared, it just shared three isolated incidents that had happened to me, street harassment that had happened to me and ended with a series of questions kind of coming back into that as like, as females, like, is this what we deserve based on, you know, what I'm wearing, what I'm doing, how I'm living my life? Like, are these the, you know, is this the harassment that I deserve? So that was the blog post. I had no following at all at that time, maybe 2000 people, no blog following at all. It was like my mom refreshing my page to see if I had any new updates. Um, I posted it. And honestly, I had so much fear posting this post because it was something that was provocative. And I knew it was provocative and I knew I could get some backlash from it, from, you know, the whatever hundred people that were following it. So anyways, I posted it. I taught my classes that night. I woke up the next morning and it had like 25,000 views overnight, which was unreal for me. And I was like, holy crap. Also in those 25,000 views, I had my first troll and I'd never had a troll before. And I was so nervous about that too. And I ended up calling, I was working in a different company there and a woman who had written a lot. I called her and, and kind of asked her, I was like, what do I do? Do I delete it? And she congratulated me. And she was like, she's like, you have a troll because you said something like of value, like, congratulations. Like this is, this is important. And so the blog took a life of its own at that point. I think there's over, there's almost a thousand comments on it at this point. It had over 3 million views on my blog alone. It was picked up by lots of different, lots of different publications. And the really important part for me was that it was, it was kind of starting this conversation and the people that were sharing it. It was no one famous. It was all organic shares. And it was getting shared because the same incidents or similar incidents had happened to other women. And they were getting a chance to now kind of share their story and be able to like vocalize it. Because I think the stories I told weren't, they just happened so often that they'd become normalized. And they become things that I think a lot of women just accept as a piece of their lives, right? Getting catcalled, running down the street, or having people come up and like say nasty comments to them based on what they're wearing. Like they just happen so often that just become accepted in our culture. And I think for me, I'd had that just, that's not okay. Just because someone isn't touching me doesn't mean they're not doing something that's inappropriate. So it was getting shared organically, which was incredible. I was getting messages from fathers reaching out and saying they were sitting down and reading it with their younger sons and having conversations with their sons about it. And so for me, it felt like a really important, then it became like an important, you know, story I was sharing and it was starting a larger conversation that I was really proud to be a part of. And it taught me one, that if something I felt passionately enough to share, like I need to have the courage to be able to share it because you just really never know what's going to happen. And, and two, like your voice really does matter. And I think that's such a cliche thing we say, but it's true. And I was, you know, 24 years old when I posted it and it broke open my world for what I knew I was capable of. And I wasn't necessarily, I think, ready for what that 
platform could have been at the time, but I think it's given me the opportunity to see like how far my voice can go and, and how I should really be able to lean in, lean into that. Hmm. That's so powerful. And, you know, I think there's so many people again in this digital space who think that the ultimate goal is to go viral. And then once you have all these eyes on you and what you're up to in your message, you can turn that into whatever you would like. In your experience, having been in the storm of going viral, do you find that it had an impact on your career or any opportunities that you actually ended up taking? Yeah. So number one, it gave me a larger social platform, which was helpful. And it put me on the map in the fitness capacity. So actually a couple direct things happened from it. One, Reebok reached out to me to be a part of their upcoming brand photo shoot, which is their larger highlight photo shoot. And they do a really good job of highlighting real people and real trainers in their movement. So they reached out to me from uh, that. I went on the photo shoot from there, was signed with an agency and then another agency. So it basically started my fitness modeling career, which was, you know, which was great. So you were you not a fitness model before that? No. Oh, wow. So it's like a totally chance occurrence. Yeah, it literally started my fitness modeling career. And the part I also love about fitness modeling and specifically is companies need to hire you because you actually know how to do the thing. So they work you. So it's really fitness modeling in general is really authentic. And so I've met a lot of really, honestly, most of my best friends I've met on shoots because they're athletes and, and fitness modeling gives them an opportunity to kind of showcase that beyond college. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed that. And it's not something I ever wanted to do full time, but it's definitely something I enjoy when, when those opportunities come up. Yeah. So that was a big one. Another big one was I was only teaching at one kind of smaller Boston fitness studio. And so it really opened up my opportunities for teaching. And so I, I started teaching at Everybody Fights, which was a larger gym and they very much kind of pursued me and, you know, could, that's when I learned how to box and then how to, how to teach boxing. And then through there, it just kind of opened up my, my, my presence here in Boston. And from the article. That's actually how I longer term, how I ended up getting my role at ASICS. So it very much kind of, I think, started a lot of the momentum I built from. It's also how I got one of my main mentors and someone who's probably had a, probably had the single biggest impact on my career. He, Someone had sent him the blog article. And at the time he was the CEO of Digitas, which is one of the top ad agencies. And and he does a lot of work in, in the company about empowering women and talking about diversity. And they do a lot of that in their corporate culture. And so he had actually reached out to me to grab breakfast while he was in town and, and to see if I could like do a workshop right on women's empowerment. And, and when he met me, he saw I was a you know, 24-year-old that was filled with rage writing this thing. And this wasn't my platform, right? I didn't do, this wasn't my program. I hadn't built anything from it. I was pissed off and started a conversation, right? So he then quite literally was like, you know, I, I think you have a lot of basically potential. And he told me he had the greatness you could see within me and asked to be my mentor. And it's, you know, three years later and him and I text every day and he's such a good sounding board and has been really impactful in helping me also be able to continue that voice and continue to challenge me to, to be able to use that voice. That's so cool. And how often does it happen that someone asks to be your mentor instead of the other way around? Isn't that insane? Yeah. And going back to the ask thing, I actually, it was really nice too, because I had I have a few other mentors that I literally hounded and was like, I love what you're doing. I want to learn more about it. Will you mentor me? So I think it's important that it can go, right? Asks can go in lots of ways. It was great that he asked me. And it's also important to be able to go out and seek mentors that I think are so important to you too. You talk about the courage to share what's coming up for you. And 
I think, you know, with all the conscious social media work and coaching that I do, I find that people get so hung up on the techniques on how to grow your following, how to set up your profile right on social media platforms. And they are often blind to the fact that's what's stopping us from truly showing up and being seen is allowing ourselves to show up authentically and be seen because there's a set of limiting beliefs that we all have and each one has a different facet of them. But it's I find that once we work more on the inner realm of finding the courage to show up and having more clarity on what our message and what it, what's important to us, then the rest falls into place if it's meant to and when it's meant to. I could not agree more. And that's, I think it's an ongoing practice though. And I think that's a theme we've talked about a few times is you, it's still something you need to practice to, to have the courage to put you know, your authentic voice out there. But in terms of, you know, followers, and I get asked this question every once in a while, not all the time, but how to, you know, grow that social media following. And I always say, like, if you're putting your value out there, like I can see directly content that I'm pushing because I feel like I need to push something on a Tuesday because it's been a week since I posted, the content flops, right? It's when I have like a genuine message, when something's hit me that I feel like I need to share, whether it's something I'm also wrestling with and need to grow through or something I've just experienced and someone else could benefit from it. When I have something that feels true to my home zone and true to my soul, and I can share it and share it in a way that is authentic, one, the words fall out of me. Like it feels really authentic to put it out there. And then I share it and the engagement comes, right? The people will come because the message is is relatable to them. So I think we often, we just, we make it more complicated. I think we often know what we need to be doing. and, And I think we try and put too many practices in place to get it to a place where we think people are, want it. We put things out there we think people want to see rather than things that are authentically true to who we are. Right. And I think we also tend to measure success, the outer success of what we put out there online with likes and comments and visible things. But there's so many invisible stats that I think indicate much bigger impacts. Like I posted something yesterday and I'm looking at the insights, 746 people DM'd it to someone, you know, the post has only 2,000 likes, but 240 people saved it and 750 people almost sent it to someone. So something like that to me is a real, real impact. And the rest, I think less and less people comment and engage because, I don't know, for multiple reasons. But to anyone who is an entrepreneur and measuring how impactful your work is. I think it's so important to have a business profile and look at into those hidden stats that are not seen to everyone. And that actually leads me to, you know, we've touched on being someone who wants to share our message online and coming from that end of the spectrum. But you also work on the brand side of the influencer marketing. And I'm curious, you mentioned how you personally choose people that you follow on Instagram, but as someone who manages brand relationships and community, how, from a brand perspective, do you choose who to work with? It's a great question. So we look at lots of things. We're in a really golden position now, which is, we're very grateful for is the majority of people we work with actually reach out to us. So for one, we do that because it means they're already interested in the brand, right? We're not having to sell somebody 
to sell a product, they're already kind of bought in. And a lot of them have already tried it, right? They got referred for somebody, they've already tried it. So that's the biggest thing is we want to work with people that already get it, right? They've already used the product. They love the product. They want to be more ingrained in what we're doing and they want to be about it. I think a lot of brands don't do that. And they seek people that have flashy followings and they seek people that are doing a lot of partnerships. And so they want to get in front of them. And what that does is all the content that's getting created, not all of it, making a wide assumption there. A lot of the content's getting created. It's getting created to fulfill a contract rather than it feels authentic to who that person is and how they typically lead their lives. So for us, one, it's people already kind of bought into CBD and Beam as a company. Two, the other thing is we like to hear how people use Beam. Again, this feels like a very simple thing and something very normal, but you'd be surprised the amount of people that don't have an answer for this is we want people to understand how, how does Beam help them live their lives and what's their bigger passion that they're working towards and how can we help you get there? And I think people that want to align with us in that capacity feels really resonant to us because we're not looking for people to sign a one month contract with one post and you're often doing your thing. We want people that are going and living big lives and we want to support that. So those are kind of the biggest, the two main things It really needs to be a larger brand alignment, both in terms of the actual product, because obviously that's important and, and there's always going to be sales numbers attributed to people, but then the brand, that mission alignment of you're living your bigger purpose. And so are we by also creating Beam and creating this community. And we want to be able to help each other get there into our biggest, our biggest capacity. So as a takeaway, I would say anyone that's listening to this that also wants to work with more brands, be really cognizant of the brands that you use on a daily in a daily way, understand what that brand is from like a company core value perspective and reach out, right? It goes back to that idea of asking, right? If you don't, if you don't reach out and ask, they may never find you. And that could be a missed opportunity. And there could be a really great brand alignment and brand synergy of you being able to help them create things, whether it's, you know, events, whether it's community, whether it's just content, brands are looking for all of those types of things and looking for genuine people to, to help support and build that. And so I think it's so easy to, again, wait for people to come to us, but it's easy as sending the brand a DM and saying why their corporate or why their company value or product means to you and how you can help amplify that story and amplify that message, I think is is one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite DMs to get. I think you're really up to such an important point here. And with this kind of approach, you're pioneering new age of digital marketing because having known you for about a year now and worked with Beam and with you for the past couple of months as a huge CBD fan myself, I don't often see brands actually taking and check checking those DMs and looking at which influencers or anyone with a platform are already using their product. This is such a missed opportunity. And just doing that one thing creates such more authentic and aligned content. And also on top of that, and you know this applies this applies to anyone who comes to this from a brand perspective or really anyone who is any kind of a product instead of telling people what the message should be and giving very strict limitations which is what often happens when an influencer works with a third party digital agency or PR agency there's usually like a brief that really puts you in a box where you have to say certain things but with Beam, what I found is that you give your ambassadors, influencers, the opportunity to speak about it so openly and in a way that is true to how we actually use it. And if more brands did that, I think 
there would be overall less fatigue of hashtag sponsored, which I personally don't see anything negative about. I think there is an opportunity to create content that is branded, that is sponsored, that is in partnership between brands and other brands or people and still be 100% aligned and true to what both parties believe in. I totally I totally agree. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity around sponsored content and I think to your point, it's because people have done it for really inauthentic reasons and I think we can create that. We can definitely be a part of creating that that shift. And I think coming at it from the the brand beam perspective, it doesn't even for us make sense how we tell you to talk about our products and use them because one, you, you should, right? It goes back to the idea of you're using them organically. They're already a part of your life. You know that best, but also like you, this is your community. This is your platform. This is your audience. You also know what's going to resonate with them best. It doesn't make any sense for us to come in and try and direct, direct any of that. So we love, it's less work on our end. It's more opportunity for our partners and community. And you know, they, they're their own professionals. They know best. They should do their own thing. Mm, yes. Is there Anything that you've learned through, you know, now having managed community at Beam for a few months, what are some lessons that you learned besides what we just mentioned? I think we've gotten to the place we're at because of a lot of lessons learned and a lot of inauthentic relationships and partnerships and places we invested a lot of money and didn't see the same return because it wasn't as authentic as as other ones. So I think we've definitely taken a lot of learnings under our belt. We're about a year in now. So we're and we're very much in the startup phase. So we're, you know, we're failing fast, learning fast and, and trying to move forward as quickly as we can. I think one of the other bigger things that's happening in the influencer marketing world right now that we're absolutely seeing in terms of return on investment is it's not about people's large follower count numbers. And it's very much more a lot of our best influencers. And I'm again, I'm talking more in like literal sales, right? Code redemptions, link clicks, things like that. A lot of that, those best sales numbers are happening from these like micro influencers, people that are in the like 15,000 to 35,000 range is is becoming more and more of a sweet spot for us. And again, that goes back to, I think sometimes with these larger numbers, some of their community may not be as authentic and they may not be as, and again, you know, algorithms are a part of that. There's a lot of things that go into that. But when some of these people have smaller followings, I think their followings also feel like they know the influencer better and they're much more in touch and they might respond to more DMs or, you know, whatever those reasons are. And so they activate more. So some of our largest people, you know, have only 15,000 followers, which I think a lot of brands are overlooking because they're looking for the 75, 100, 100 plus followers where we may not see nearly as many as as many redemptions. And I think that's really opening up the market and shifting the paradigm from it kind of parallels like old money versus new age entrepreneurs, because everyone has equal opportunity. And if you stop putting your heart into what you're doing, you're not going to be relevant anymore. And I'm not saying it to scare people. But I think it's just this reminder that no matter how successful someone has been a year ago, if you don't continuously keep asking yourself what's important and why are you showing up, then people are going to stop showing up for you. So it's a very interesting shift to micro influencers. And I, I think a lot of people will be inspired to hear that. Yeah, there's plenty of room out there too. I think people sometimes also don't want to build a following because someone's already saying it or doing it. But you know, everyone's voice and, and unique perspective is valued and valuable. So if you put that out there, there's still plenty of room for people to, you know, grow a new following and to be a part of that influencer marketing world, if that's what they're looking for. Again, it goes back to a lot of the things, 
a lot of the things we've been talking about and just being, again, asking for it, but also being really transparent. I think that's another thing that Beam's done very well. And we're very honest and open and transparent with our influencers, both in terms of what's happening in the company and where we're going and what's working and what's not working. And also in that relationship, I think often an influencer gets a contract or gets it and they fulfill it and they move on. And there's not an ongoing dialogue of, hey, this is what I'm hearing on my end. My community is responding this way or the brand saying, hey, that posted really well. It worked really well in terms of, you know, redemptions for us. I think there can be more of an ongoing communication between the brand and the influencer. And I think we're doing doing a pretty good job of it. I think we could definitely get better at it. But I think that's where, again, it comes back to like, we're trying to build a long-term community of people. We're not trying to ask people to pay for a one post and move on. And that's, that's so inauthentic to who we are. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the one thing I want to get into before we start wrapping up is TBD. You know, we've talked about the business and the back end of all of that and your own personal pivots and social media. And CBD for me personally has been a big part of my well being rituals for probably a couple of years ever since I heard about it. And I travel with it everywhere because I travel a lot. So I take it on the plane. I take it when I land to reduce stress that travel can bring up. I share it with all my friends. I actually just got a message from a friend this morning saying that after I introduced her to Beam on our trip to Arizona, she ended up taking her dad to a Beam pop-up and getting some there and that it's been helping her with cramps. And, you know, I think there's a lot of education that still has has to take place in terms of CBD. But overall, I think it's one of the most harmless uh, ways to supplement that really can improve performance on so many levels, as well as reduce pain, whether that's physical pain or cramps or headaches. Because for me, I know that CBD has helped me in all those things. So tell me about why Beam is different and what is your personal favorite product? Because I already talked about it in the intro to the podcast. I'm obsessed with the blends, especially the Dream Blend. I think it's so delicious. But tell me about your favorite. I love Beam. So Beam is two-second backstory. Matt and Kevin are co-founders, and they had been friends from college. They were a Boston-based company. They were born and raised here, and they were both professional athletes ended up having to leave both of their professional athlete careers early due to injury, kind of started to hear about CBD as being a a plant-based way to remedy some of their injuries. And at the time, just couldn't find anything they trusted and trusted, and then also didn't have THC. Up to 0.3% THC is legal in CBD products. However, that would still show up on a drug test. So that's how they kind of started their research into the CBD industry. And then a few years later, ended up developing Beam. So one of our core values is creating the highest quality CBD products out there. So we make a full spectrum CBD, just extract all of the THC out of it. So there's no trace amounts or anything. So that's important because, you know, we work with a lot of professional athletes and if anything were to go wrong, they would get like literally thrown out of their careers, right? Banned from that. So, um, but that goes the same thing of lawyers, of doctors, of moms that don't want to have products with THC maybe around their children. So it's just a safe product for anyone to be able to use. And we go through three rounds of third-party testing to make sure that's accurate and there's no metals and pesticides and any of those harmful things. It's clear, it's clean, it's the highest quality CBD that you can you can find. So on a base level, that's important to us. I think the other piece that's important to us is we think, for example, most people right now are consuming CBD from a tincture, this oil tincture. 
There's no other supplement that you're taking that you're going to take this oil and put it underneath your tongue and hold it there for 30 seconds and then swallow, right? Like it's just a really odd way to consume a supplement. So we have been at the forefront of innovation of CBD and creating other products that people can still use CBD. So the funny thing is it's takes people a little bit, I think, to adopt these new products because they're so used to seeing this, these oil tinctures. So the first products we had were our oil and our salve. And then we you know, came out with bars and then we just came out with these blends, like you mentioned. And so the blends was really the first truly innovative product. And we have a lot, we have a few more coming out this year, which we're very excited about. And the blends was really interesting because we basically took the CBD and went through an emulsification process and made it this nano CBD powder. So if you're thinking of it, in terms of particle size, when you're taking that oil, it's about basketball size, particle size, we went from basketball size down to marbles. So CBD works when it enters your, your bloodstream. This basically is just way more effective to enter your blood system. So your body can absorb more of it, meaning it's just working better for you. So we created the two blends that you came up with. So I just think Beam in general is it's been such a fun company to work for. And there's so many exciting things happening in the CBD industry, but we're doing it in a very... I think smart, I think clean and really innovative way. So in that way, Beam's just been, it's such a differentiator for me. So my favorite product, Dream is probably also the one I use absolutely every day. And I know you said it was your favorite too. So what do you think is one thing people, you know, CBD being such a big wellness buzzword, what is something that people are missing or something that is important to know that is not talked about enough? about CBD? I think the biggest thing that we see, and again, I know, you know, you've lived in New York for a long time and I'm in Boston. So we're in, and we do a lot in LA, we're in big metropolitan areas and people are a little bit more used to CBD and hearing about CBD in those areas. I think a lot of the places in between, we're hearing so much confusion. People are scared of it because the FDA hasn't regulated it yet. And so we're getting so much apprehension to trying a new supplement. And I think the biggest thing people need to understand that isn't the way I think most people are talking about it is it's plant-based medicine. Like it's an oil derived from the hemp plant. And I think, you know, people can associate it with THC and all these things and, and it's just not true. Right. So it's kind of just going back to our roots and going back to healing from a functional medicine perspective. And that's essentially what, what CBD is. I love that. And I just had Dr. Weil on my podcast. And one of the things that he said, having studied plants for decades, for over 50 years, probably, he said that he trusts plant medicine a lot more than any prescription drugs. Um, because anytime we use something that's closer to nature produced it, it's going to have a more lasting and holistic impact on our bodies. And I love that. Um, Erin, thank you so much for this conversation where we covered so much. And thank you for just being such a beam of light in the world and the way that you build business and the way you show up for yourself, for your community, for your work. And before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Well, thank you so much. This has been, it's always a joy and pleasure to, to get to connect with you. You may find me. Instagram is the main platform. It's Bailey, that new non-fitness Instagram handle. My website is ebaileyfitness.com. So that pivot is coming soon, but we're holding, we're holding strong on that one so far. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Are you going to take on Aaron's challenge to smile to a stranger and say hi to a stranger? I think I am. It sounds super expensive and 
important in this digital age to keep those in-person connections with strangers going because it's what makes us feel alive. It makes us feel connected to others and through that to ourselves a little bit more. And if you're someone who is called to share more of your voice and your work and your true self online this year, then I'm sure that this episode inspired you to share your message and share what matters to you and trust that when you show up for yourself and for your message that way, it finds its ways to be spread to exactly the right people. And if you keep seeing information about CBD everywhere, if Beam maybe has been popping up in your Instagram feed and you've considered trying it and haven't yet, I really encourage you to do so. The Clarity and the Dream Blends with Nano CBD are complete game changers. I swear by them. They taste amazing. They are super effective, and if you want to try them out, there's a discount for my community, so just head to beamtlc, that's B-E-A-M-T-L-C dot com, and use code BREAKFASTCRIMINALS when you check out for 15% off. And just so you know, I have relationships with most brands that I love and use daily, so when you go to most websites of products that you've ever seen me mention and you use code breakfast criminals that will give you a nice discount that also goes for cacao so when you go to cacaolaboratory.com and use code breakfast criminals you will also get 15 percent discount and by the way cacao lab cacao is one of my favorite things to mix with the clarity blend so even though it can be very stimulating, so be careful with that. I love on special days mixing coffee with some Cacao Lab Cacao and the Clarity Blend. That's just a completely mind-opening, heart-opening experience that will fuel your creativity for hours. So if you want to try something special and upgrade your mornings, then do that and grab all the discounts you can with code BREAKFASTCRIMINALS. Have an awesome rest of your week and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you in the next episode a week from now. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWire.com and also join the Woken Wired Podcast Listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded. And say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>